Hi, and welcome to the podcast version of Between the Lines. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear or see more episodes and become a patron to get exclusive content and help keep our program going, just visit barrykibrick.com. Enjoy. For years, we were all told that stress is toxic, and we must do whatever you can to reduce it. Then along came the renowned psychologist, Dr. Kelly McGonigal who I was grateful to have on my show featuring her book, The Upside of Stress. And with over 20 million views on her famous TED Talk, you can rest assured she's on to something, and I agree with almost all of it. I'm Barry Kibrick, but sometimes there is a special type of stress that needs to be dealt with in a very different manner. And for this chat with you, I'm calling it the stress of the soul. Between the Lines with Barry Kibrick is made possible in part by the following contributors. A complete list of funders is available at barrykibrick.com. As I spoke about earlier, I'm putting stress in two categories. There is the common stress that we all deal with, ranging from work stress to stress in our personal lives, to stress we may cause ourselves. And as I mentioned, now with a new understanding of it by Dr. Kelly McGonigal, we know that it not only has to be harmful, but if handled correctly, it can be an invigorating motivator. And rather than put an unhealthy stress on our lives, when incorporated properly, it could actually extend our lives. However, I am proposing that there is a stress that needs to be handled in a very different way. I'm coining the term soul stress for the purpose of defining how it's different and why it's imperative that we don't let this stress continue for any great length of time. Now, the word soul itself has many connotations. Thomas More, a frequent guest on my show, writes eloquently about the soul. In his many books on the subject, he uses the term as the inner life force we all possess, and he separates it from any outer life force we deal with that he calls spirituality. I like using it that way too. So when I'm referring to soul stress, I specifically mean a stress on our inner being that goes to the core of who we are. Thomas More is also aware that we all experience what he terms dark nights of the soul, and no one, no one can escape those either. And he even advises us to oftentimes embrace that feeling Look for meaning within it, and it too can provide you with important gifts that can benefit and help pull you out of that dark period. But he also uses a term when describing this dark night. He uses these words, a rupture in your very being. And it is that part of his terminology that I want to explore in a different manner. You see, what Thomas is talking about is an external circumstance 
that puts you in this ruptured state. He also mentions that when you emerge from this state, you can shed new light out of the darkness. And I agree with that insight as well. When I'm using the term rupture in your very being, I will use it like Thomas does. However, he also uses the term emerge from this state. That means that you will come out of this state either with time or shedding a new light on the situation. As I talk about soul stress, I'm referring to a rupture in your very being, but not one that you will emerge from with time or by shedding a new perspective on the situation. I'm choosing to discuss this because it is that exact feeling that I recently gone through. A very stress in my being that I could not naturally emerge from or view with a different perspective. I will let you know that when I experienced this, it was literally life altering. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I even changed my show's format from conversations with guests to talking directly with you. Now, at first, this was all in my head. I knew that I dealt with stresses of life in a relatively good manner, but there was something about this feeling that I knew was very different. The way I knew was that I was dealing with it for three years and kept being able to successfully change my perspective to deal with something I had to continue with for the classic reasons. I needed a job and I couldn't think of no way out. So shifting perspective for the first two and a half years got me by. Then, as I was driving home from work, I literally had this thought flash through my mind. I was on the freeway in Los Angeles, which means I was driving about 10 to 15 miles an hour in traffic. But this thought entered my mind. Wouldn't it be nice if at this slow pace, I just plowed my car into the wall that lined the right-hand lane of the freeway, not causing anyone any injury, but maybe just enough to get me slightly hurt and not have to go to work the next few days or weeks. Now, a thought like that, no matter how severe the normal stresses of life were, never ever entered my mind in a conscious state or even a dream state. It literally took my breath away and tears began to stream down my face. I had to literally pull over, not into the wall, but over to the side, 
long enough to regain my composure. And it was also at that moment that I promised myself I would never, ever feel that way again. And the feeling, it was as if the life force, my soul, was being sucked out of me. There was no option but dramatic and quick change. Now, on one level, I really hope no one ever has to face this feeling. Yet I chose to talk with you about it because I realize that on some level, unfortunately, many of us do get to this point in our lives. And we cannot wait for us just to emerge out of it. But the dilemma is, what do we do when you believe you have no options? These were the first thoughts that popped into my mind when that occurred. And they were spoken by Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the midst of the Great Depression. He said during one of his fireside chats, two Americans gathered around the radio the following words. When you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hold on. Remember, this was a time when men were jumping out from windows of New York City skyscrapers because they believed there was no other solution. But if just for a moment they could have heard those words, maybe they too would have held on long enough to realize there's always a way out. So we know that is step one, that we tie the knot and hold on. Now we all know we can only hold on to a rope for so long, but it is long enough to take the action you must take. Now, each and every one of us is different. Some can hold on longer. Some better find help fast. But in all cases, the mere ability to hold on long enough to take action provides not only the solace to keep you going, but believe it or not, it finds the help you need. In my case, I had to make it home. I needed a place that I could land safely, let go of the rope, and see what happens. And I must admit, that day, a stiff martini did help with the landing. So now, let's see specifically what a soul stress is versus what one might think it can be. First, you may have a terrible job, hate going to work but know you must do so to take care of yourself and your family and to provide them with a life you want for them, even if you couldn't have it for yourself. So this emphasized something for me. One of the key things that puts your soul in stress is the feeling of no purpose. It's not a bad job. It's not any of those things. 
It's a feeling of no purpose. Now, I emphasize the word feeling here because the bottom line is we all have purpose, whether we realize it or not. But if you don't realize it and you cannot find it, that stress is soul stress. Again, I'm not giving a specific reason because one person's soul stress could be another person's dream. But if you feel you have no purpose, you've got to remedy that situation. And if you're going to emerge from this, you must cut to the root of the problem. Look it squarely in the gut and make the change regardless how scared you might be, for you will be far worse off if you have a life that feels like you have no worth, rhyme, or reason. But you also have to look at this in a very different way than you most likely will at first. Because while most of us are not able to control what thoughts arise in the mind, we can monitor them and choose to think of ways that move us in a positive direction. Remember, from a past episode, I mentioned how you cannot blame yourself, but that your kindness to yourself can take responsibility. Or as I heard it once put so beautifully, Responsibility is not blame, but the ability to respond. And that no one can take away from you when you realize it. And when you do, it will empower you to make the change you must. And the first step in that action is to eliminate the thought of being a victim. Once you do that, you will find the power to reboot and redirect your soul stress before it sucks your life force out. In fact, a do-over, or as my first solo episode discussed, a phoenix rising will begin to create new neural pathways to allow you to take on the challenge, even if you do not know the direction yet. And this has been proven over and over by neuroscientists, and they can actually track the change via brain imaging. In fact, they've gotten so good at it, they can even see the parts of the brain that are being utilized when this happens. So step one, you are no longer the victim. And Dr. Rebecca Glading told me when we were discussing her book, You Are Not Your Brain, takes it one step further. She believes we must separate the self from the deceptive brain messages of being a victim. She states that the deceptive messages developed from biological problems despite you not because of you. That's the key. It's despite you, not because of you. She adds also how important it is separating self from deceptive brain messages. 
that these intruding thoughts come from your brain and not from you. One of her most important messages is, you cannot control the initial thoughts that come into your head or even the uncomfortable sensations that they cause you to experience. That's why it's not what you think or feel that matters. It's what you do that counts. Next, therefore, is action. And that first action, once you realize you are in this soul-sucking situation, you guessed it, it's always take a deep breath. You must do everything in your power to center yourself. Now, this may require seeking help, maybe a life coach, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, possibly, if you're lucky enough, maybe a friend or a relative. But those choices you better be very careful with. In any case, just as I did when I pulled over to the side of the road, at first I couldn't catch my breath. But I knew, until I did, I couldn't and shouldn't be driving. Fortunately, it only took me a few minutes. But time, when it comes to soul stress, although you need to act quickly, you don't have to hurry. Some of you may remember that from my episode when I discussed the majesty of calmness. And if not, it, it's on my YouTube channel. You can just go see it on my website. You heard it the first time, and if not, trust me. Uh, and it stems from the words of the great coach John Wooden, who admittedly got it from this great book by William George Gordon. So get the book called The Majesty of Calmness. There is a difference between acting quickly and being in a hurry, and I don't want to repeat it now, but you can easily find it on my website, get the book or a transcript of the show, or talk about it. it. It doesn't matter. All you've got to do right now is breathe and know then that you have to unplug. You will have to get yourself out of the soul stress situation. Whether it's your job, a relationship, or the main issue of not knowing your purpose, it's now time to move on. And the only way I know how to do that is to literally reboot yourself. And the first thing in doing this is to unplug. And here's a perfect example of why it works before we find out even how it works. Unless I'm the only person in the world that has to do this, you'll all know what I'm talking about. And I only need to mention a computer or a cell phone and you'll get the picture. How many times in order to get that new piece of software or that new app for your phone to work, all you do is have to shut it down and turn it on again. And when you do, for the most part, things start working right. So that's what I had to do. I had to unplug from what was stressing my soul and reboot everything, though at the time I wasn't certain what the reboot will be. So you will have to trust yourself or have the faith that you will not be left in a void. And the reason why is because it will vary from each and every one of you because no one has the same soul stress. 
Now I do want to share my personal reason, not because I know it will resonate with everyone, but because I want to show how different this soul stress can manifest itself. I actually had a job most people in my field would relish. And just to remind you, this opportunity to talk with you every week is not my job, but it is my love and my passion and my mission or my purpose. My job was to produce shows, professional development and educational videos, and oversee productions at my place of work. I then used that money to support my family, myself, and to do this job of talking with you. I did that job for over 20 years, and during the time I had my ups and downs, but was always able to either shift my perspective or really see the value in what I was doing. And by the way, I still do see the value, even as I wanted to hit that concrete wall on that day home. So what was the issue that made me retire from that job, not knowing and still not knowing how I will continue this? First of all, it wasn't just one thing, and it rarely is just one thing for anyone going through a stress of the soul. There was a series of incidents that started to really grind me down. I continued to attempt to shift my perspective, but there was no longer any perspective to shift to. And to let you know why, I want you to do this as quick as you can if you're in a similar situation, is that it took place over a three-year period for me, and that was literally two and a half years too long. I don't want to go into any specific aspect, but I do want you to know that it wasn't just one thing that was gnawing at my soul. And it wasn't a situation that many people might find themselves in. I did get a new boss the last half year, and it, I actually think he was the best boss I ever had over the 20 years. So it had nothing to do with that. The people I worked with, I liked, like in most places of business. Some I truly loved, and some, yeah, I could have done without. But it wasn't because of them either. And the work I was doing, for the most part, was rewarding. I was helping students, teachers, all work of value. But even as I'm saying this, without knowing otherwise, I would think I was a fool for leaving. But that's what separates soul stress from any other kind. You see, all of it, no matter how rewarding, was not meant to be what I was meant to do. And I knew that in my soul. And the more I became aware of that, the more stress it pulled on my soul. Then it began to show up physically. I'd wake up with night sweats every day I had to go to work. I couldn't face the day without dread. And it even took some more serious physical tolls but that I too fought through. The bottom line was I couldn't take it anymore. I had and still don't have an alternate way of support, but I knew that if I didn't make the leap of faith required, I also knew I would soon have to leap to make something happen. So even 
in this time of great uncertainty for me, I haven't felt better in years because I did make the change to get that soul-sucking stress out of me. The new stresses, I'm very happy to deal with. In fact, I feel like I have total control now and know it will all work out fine. The reason I know I can dedicate myself to my purpose now, my passion and my love. And guess what that is? The chance to speak with you every week and maybe even more so in the upcoming days. Yes, this is my passion. And now I can dedicate my entire being to it and still leave plenty of spare space to share the love with friends and family. So there's just times in our lives when we need to reboot, to shut down long enough, to refresh and revive ourselves before we make our next move. But these are the times when a move must be made, when you cannot just change perspective, but must take a new path. Will you be afraid? Sure, I can't imagine not. But I want to go back to Thomas More and our discussion about his book, The Dark Night of the Soul, because his explanation is so right on. He says, the best way to deal with a dark night is to be made luminous by it. Not enlightened, but translucent. For you are not seeing in the dark. You are the candle being burnt for its luminosity. I'm Barry Kibrick, and I'd like to end with these words by General George Patton. Remember, he says, success is not measured by how high you climb, but by how far you bounce once you hit the bottom. If you'd like to see some of the episodes I spoke about or listen to my podcast or connect with me personally, just visit my website at barrykimbrick.com. So until we meet again, be the candle, burn brightly, and the stress on your soul will not only be illuminated, but it will be eliminated. Till next time.